0: would this help or would this then take away the whale from Ahab? Oh, nice little Hemingway reference. Well done, Byron. No,
1: uh, that's not Hemingway. Ahab was uh, Moby
0: Dick. Oh, Moby Dick, which was, um, yeah, whatevs. I don't respect old authors. I only go for, in, yeah, new ones, bleached <laughs> old, stuff like that. I tell you what, I always get excited each episode to see what Joe has done with our opening. And you'll get the same feeling opening every bag of malt from Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of Brews News. This is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome back to the microphone, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Is it a pleasure, though, Pete? It is. It's genuinely <laughs> mon plaisir. <laughs>
1: Mate, always good to. Uh, I look forward to our weekly chats, and uh, even more when we're in the room together, which we're not today, unfortunately.
0: No, but we'll uh, we'll make the most of it. And uh, I've just got to slip in a quick little public health warning, Matt, just before uh, we begin. So here we go. Trigger warning: This podcast episode may contain traces of stone. Uh, <laughs> Matt, we got a little bit of um, a little bit of news to get through, and it is fair to say. And this, look, you you've got permission. I think well, we, we should have like maybe a, create a safe space at the end of this uh, episode uh, for, for all those who have been triggered um, as we go through, because it's fair to say a little bit has happened in the news this week regarding um, your favourite international brewery, Stone. Oh, well, should we it just it jump it, into, it into it the it headlines? Your international breweries, to, to be honest, Pete. So, uh... Uh, you did. We've got the double whammy this week. <laughs> should we kick off with the headlines and then... Um, Get it out of the way fairly early.
1: Well, we should. And look, I'm absolutely not going to be going off because, let's face it, I don't need to. It's been said better by other people. Um, but yes, this week, um, I was working and uh, had tip uh, to Frozen Summers, um, our uh, you know, a regular correspondent who I don't think has ever actually won... Uh, I don't think we've sent... Um, a Barblade yet, have we? We may not have. Sorry about that, Dan, if we haven't. yeah. We'll,
0: we'll, we, we shall redress and address that this week.
1: Regular correspondent. But uh, I woke up uh, last Sunday morning um, with, with a tweet, um, bringing it to my attention, BrewDog buys Stone Berlin. Last weekend, Stone announced the sale of its US $40 million brewery. Actually, that's the headline I saw there, but I've also seen $30 million brewery. Uh, but as BrewDog will tell us,
0: Is that the the sale price or is that the cost price? That was the
1: the, the cost of developing it um, initially. So we don't know, like most things, once you drive it off the lot, it's not worth what uh, you spent on it. Um, So we don't know what the sale price to BrewDog was. Um, But yes, so BrewDog uh, has bought the Stone Berlin Brewery. Um, In a blog farewelling the project, Greg Cook announced Stone's foray into Berlin was too big, too bold and too soon. We started Stone in 1996 because we weren't okay with the status quo of the beer in the US. We felt Americans deserved better, so we brewed it for them. When we saw much of Germany stuck in a similar status quo of cheap beer, we were convinced we could help. As it stands now, German beer prices are the cheapest in Western Europe. As most of us know from life, the best things are rarely the cheapest. Amazing beer is being brewed by amazing brewers all over the country, Unfortunately, according to the stats, most Germans are still ignoring these wonderful beers and buying the cheap stuff. The truth is, the construction industry in Berlin is broken. Yes, there's a lot of bureaucracy. The US has more than a bit of that, so we were prepared for it. The real challenge was the tendency of our contractors to stop everything when a problem arose. So the problem here, Prof, is not the they didn't know what they were doing. They had gone into the wrong market at the wrong time, making the wrong beer and trying to tell the Germans how to suck eggs. The construction industry ruined it for them, apparently, is what I took from Greg Cook's post.
0: And beautifully read there, Matt. And we might actually just segue I, I, I don't do
1: accents. So I was, I was sort of <laughs> no, trying Matt. to give it the august, breathy tone that uh, I'm sure Greg was writing in. That's it.
0: And uh, interestingly, their next headline is titled "The Hubris of Stone Brewing." US beer writer Jeff Allworth's take uh, on the Stone news um, was it's, it is well worth a, a complete read, um, and especially the comments. I think it's fair to say, Matt. Um, but I think if we pick out uh, the best, uh, pick, pick out the eye. Well, um, well, well,
1: essentially, yes. Yeah, so, so Jeff, um, who who is a beer writer, that I always listen to because again, he's one of these guys that's not. Um, shy of giving an opinion. And in an industry where everybody knows each other and, you know, you, you, on on some level you like and respect everybody, um, in, including Greg Cook, um, it can be very, very hard to sometimes say, look, you know, I, I know you think you've got a full suit on there, champ, but you're actually standing there butt naked. Um, and he, he's done that. And it was a really, really good piece, you know, highlighting, you know, with typical... Um, Greg Cook Bravado, he drove out of the Stone Berlin Brewery, dropped a rock or a stone on a boulder. all of these um, On a beers. pyramid of,
0: of classic German beers.
1: Yeah, typical just overreach, um, and, 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 as his post said. And uh, so it was a really, really good analysis of... Um, some of the reasons why Stone may have gone. But then, you know, the, the, all of the best um, insights or the, you know, some, you know, the best conversation comes in, the, in, in good discussion afterwards. And, uh, you know, in a tribute, tribute to, to Jeff, um, his comments, you know, people were actually discussing the... It wasn't a, you know, um, ad hominem a, a, a attack on anybody. And uh, somebody pointed out that he was, um, you know, good on Stone for trying... Um, and you know we can't criticise them for failing, and that's exactly right. And Jeff uh, just did make the point. I'm less forgiving of the missteps for two reasons. Cook presents himself as a prophet literally, and is vicious of those holding dissenting views, which means he can be held to the same standard in which he held everyone else. And two, the mistakes here were manifestly obvious to anyone who had a passing knowledge of Germany. It was a gross unforced error. Um, and really, like that first point is. If anyone does get a little bit gun shy at, at mentions of stone, um, that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back to it because Greg is, um, you know, unfairly critical of anybody in the industry who he doesn't agree with, and you know does his best to mock and tear them down. Um, and I, I think he should be subject to the same scrutiny that he holds um, everyone else to. Um, so, anyway, so we, we, we don't want to make this a, another Stonefest, but uh, did, did you have any observations on all of that, Prof? No, it was just a very interesting read that
0: um, it was how someone like Stone could have got it, I guess, so wrong, but then also, I guess, to, to blame things that perhaps are not necessarily the core of, of what was going on. Uh, I think it's pretty difficult to you know teaching your grandmother to suck eggs, you know teaching the will teach the Germans how to brew something other than lager
1: but it's um, and, and it's, thats that's the thing you know look there there are some great little breweries but if you go to germany um one of the things I always come back to with why craft beer has exploded like not not just grown or developed but you know in america um and australia and countries like that it's exploded because we had gotten down to a monoculture um, and we didn't have any choice in germany they've always to some extent had a choice you know you've always had a curl you've always had a wheat beer or in you know, crystal Weitz, and you've had a dunkel um, old beer yeah well in, in certain Belinda areas Weiss. And and Weiss in, but in different areas they weren't sort of all over the place. They were sort of little pockets, but you know, if you go through Bavaria, um, you know, in, in a lot of the the, the rest of Germany, um, yes, they have tap contracts with maybe one brewery, um, which is their their local brewery. Um, but that brewery will be, you know, putting out four or five distinctly different. Beer styles, and then there was always a seasonal, like there was a Christmas beer, or there was, you know, like the um, first beer, beer and, and, yeah, Mertzen. Yeah. Yeah. merton, um, and 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 whilst to a modern craft beer uh, mindset, it was a fairly staid selection. It was a selection, and you know, if if we'd had that sort of selection in in Australia fifteen years ago, ten years ago. You wouldn't have had people coming back from Germany and coming back from Belgium, so sort of saying, "Gee, I want that sort of selection. I'm going to make it myself." And you know, then you've got a whole lot of other social issues are going on. But they've always had choice. And for Stone to go in there and say, you know, to to, to me, it is just the worst um, sort of American cultural imperialism that um, you had this rich indulged uh, guy from San Diego thinking he could go in and teach one of the oldest. You know, brewing cultures, brewing cultures in the world, um, how to make good beer, um, and and anyway, so yeah, look, that that was that, that read Jeff's piece. Um, it it says it much more eloquently than I could. And quicker. Meanwhile, uh, (laughs) Brewdog scales
0: back uh, its Brisbane plans. Uh, After long delays, and it's fair to say a fair bit of silence, the Scottish brewery Brewdog, Matt's second favourite hype driven brewery, held its annual general meeting in Aberdeen over the weekend, uh, during which it revealed it has scaled back its Brisbane brewery uh, from the previously announced 50 hectolitre model.
1: Yes, this is a story I've been following for a while, Prof. And again, um, Brewdog is another brewery that... (laughs) just doesn't respond to my emails anymore, you know, asking despite their promises of radical transparency, whatever that means. Apparently radical transparency is publishing a cookbook, according to BrewDog. Um, But I'd I'd heard, uh, well, they announced with much fanfare last February that they were going to be building a $30 million brewery. Um, Of course, we all know that $30 million Uh, is a lot of brewery and they weren't planning it. Um, So that $30 million was grossly inflated. Um, And in May, they announced that they had all of their approvals and they were going to start in July. And then the cricket started. Um, Nothing, um, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then suddenly uh, staff left in December. And, you know, I'd been following for a little while during this period, you know, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. And I'd heard rumours that they had scaled back um, the, the the 50 hectolitre brewery. Um, I contacted them back in February and didn't get a response. I contacted them in March and didn't get a response, contacted them at the start of April, didn't get a response. And then just last Sunday night, I was sitting there uh, watching... And I even contacted the Queensland uh, government, which had uh, sponsored their um, plans in uh, Brisbane, um, and they hadn't heard anything about a change of plans. And then suddenly... Uh, last Sunday night, I just happened to be watching the um, AGM, the annual General Mayhem Prof. It's not an. Ad. <laughs> what is it? Podcast or something? Oh, it, it was recorded. Was you it know. Facebook Live. Oh, okay. It, it, it was recorded, and I'll tell. You, look, go and go on and watch it, uh, folks. We'll will we'll, uh, link to it in the show notes, please, Joe. Um, Thanks, Joe. But it was a cross between um, this is Spinal Tap, um, you know, turning everything up to eleven, <laughs> and, and Hillsong. Well, still one of the best descriptions I've had is in the beer world, uh, you know, Brewdog um, is to beer what Hillsong is to the Catholic Church. Um, you know, singing the same songs, they just put electric guitar behind it. But they were poncing around on stage, um, and I'm not even going to try and be uh, sort of balanced about this. Um, and, but they were carrying on like two schoolboys Whose parents were away for the weekend, and they found the uh, you know keys to the liquor cabinet and the passcode to the uh, naughty channel, because <laughs> it was walking around stage, swigging you know every two minutes opening a new beer and swigging it from the can, sculling uh, you know their vodka from the bottle, um, talking about masturbating into socks and joining the Mile High Club while they brewed whatever beer um, you know on a British Airways, and it was like it was just. Grow up, you know, it, 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 at some stage, you know, you, you look ridiculous getting around in the skin tight pants uh, and, and long hair talking about turning it up to 11. But anyway, back to the news. Um, sorry, listeners. Um, I've, been carry- I've been carrying that around all week. Um, but BrewDog has scaled back their 50 he- hectolitre plants to 25 hectolitres. They did just sort of drop that in um, during the presentation.
0: We probably should also just clarify, because I think some of the Facebook comments as well, uh, there's a little bit of confusion about the $30 million and, and what the Queensland government gave, donated, gifted, yes. whatever. Yep. And we probably should just, in all fairness and you know, in, in the interest of radical transparency, just clear up where the money came from and what the, the Queensland government's yeah. role. Um,
1: Brewdog wasn't given $30 million by the Australian government, uh, by, or by the Queensland government. They, the, the $30 million is, I understand, what they've estimated they will be investing in their brewery over 10 years. Um, they're talking about creating 150 jobs at their Brisbane brewery. Now, I don't know any brewery in Australia. Stone and Wood uh, makes 14 million litres a year. They've got two um, breweries, um, you know, significantly bigger than anything that uh, BrewDog are planning, and they only just employ 150 people. So the, the figures are bullshit to start with. Um, but the, the Queensland government lured them with um, just business incentives that are available to any business. So it wasn't... BrewDog wasn't singled out or anything like that. Um, they were just... Uh, they they applied for funding that is available to any um, brewery that's or any business that wants to set up in in Queensland. So um, uh, most of that is tax breaks, you know, holiday on taxes and other charges, um, and there may be a little bit of you know R and D grants or things like that put in. Nowhere near, um, you know. You're probably not even talking the millions. You're, you're probably talking tens, or you know, very, very low hundreds of thousands, if there's anything there. Um, so the, the Queensland government, you know, thought that they were doing the right thing. Um, just the problem was they were blissfully unaware of the, you know, rapidly expanding uh, local industry that they were that was popping up right under their noses. Um, the Furore brought that to their attention. They've been doing some really good work in, in, in that space as well, Prof. Um, I, I don't think we talked about it last week on the podcast because I think it happened last Thursday night, but I, went to par- I was invited to Parliament House by the chair of the industry, the, 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 the Parliamentary Industry Committee, um, to have dinner at Parliament House and enjoy some local Queensland craft beers that are now on the menu in Parliament House. So um, that's just one of the things that the Queensland government's doing for, for the local breweries, which was very exciting
0: exactly and it's good to see that the government is getting on side um even though uh, our mate cameron dick he got himself in a bit of trouble this week he was hanging a bit of shit on on melbourne now whether you're BrewDog, dog whether you're stone or whether you're one of the many emerging or established breweries in uh, australia you would love to be able to get all of your beer cold chain shipped um the new zealand trade and Enterprise, which I think I have a feeling. um, One of my my very early uh, forays into the world of of the beer media was I was invited by uh, NZTE to a dinner upstairs in Chloe's Bar up at um, Young and Jackson's Hotel here in Melbourne. With uh, I think we had a dozen New Zealand brewers and a dozen different uh, courses. It was like a beautiful little degustation dinner. Um, and, and that was, as I say, it really opened my eyes to uh, the whole thing that was going on in New Zealand, which was the purpose of it. And I'm pretty sure David Cryer at the time had um, had something to do with it. Uh, but anyway, they're they are they're basically a government agency um, who look at diversifying and extending New Zealand's export business, and they released a report looking into beer exporting. And they the interesting point, I think, for us, Matt, was they noted a polarising industry debate over cold chain or room temperature uh, shipping. The report says keeping beer chilled at every step of the export and delivery chain will be expensive, costing around a dollar per case, but be worth it for preserving freshness uh alas it's easier said than done um particularly here in australia there's you've only got to fall down at one step of your ambient you know you know to uh, and your beer becomes ambient and then all of a sudden you've you've broken your cold chain haven't you
1: yeah but it was a whole lot of things about this article um first of all isn't it awesome that admittedly it's new zealand but they're our um you know we'll, we'll aim an XM one day um isn't it great that you start having trade and investment bodies of governments taking an interest in these issues um, and and uh, seriously considering, not just of thinking that we can flick them overseas and you know Bob's your uncle? Um, yeah, it, it's that we need to actually take a considered approach. Um, and the, so so that that was one thing that left out um, at this for me. And it's it it is one of those decisions um, that we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit of late, you know, looking at, you know, is there an essential inconsistency in brewers here saying drink local, drink fresh, and then shipping their beers you know, overseas, and without necessarily looking at how their beers are going to be handled, um, and what message does that send um, to your local consumers, who, are the, who then also have access to a whole range of uh, you know, beers that have been imported, um, and aren't necessarily local and fresh. Um, but no, I, I thought it was a really good piece because it did say, is it better to keep your beers cold the whole way? And there's also an alternative, um, chain of train of thought that, you know, the thing is consistency of temperature. Um, so if you can keep it consistently, um, you know, obviously not consistently hot, but consistently not hot without necessarily being cold, um, that is as good for beer as well. Um, so yeah, just a really interesting, uh, discussion piece. Yeah,
0: and we do know that the it's no surprise that – it's not a secret – that the trans-Tasman uh, shipping route is one of the most expensive in the world apparently. Is it? Yeah, it's apparently very expensive to ship beer from, well, you know, to I guess stuff that's heavy, uh, which is why I think you you're looking at Australian brands looking to, to brew their beer on site somewhere over there and likewise uh, – and look, perfect example, the other night uh, – Date night with uh, Mrs. Pilsner, uh, we, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And we try to do one or two things each year and um, popped into Beer Lux and on the way to and just thought, oh, yeah, because I knew I could get a, a, a nice selection of beer there and had a Liberty Brewing uh, Knife Party IPA, which was absolutely spanking fresh. But I know that that's brewed at Hawkers yep. under licence. Um, And and under the supervision of of Joe Wood himself. So that for me, I probably wouldn't have ordered that had I known it was brewed in Helensville and then had had travelled all that way because I would have thought, no, no, I'll I'll get a local. So for me, that was like getting a a good local fresh IPA and it was tasting beautiful.
1: And and the New Zealand report did um, focus on Yeasty Boys, for example, who were brewing in the UK, New Zealand and, you know, over here. Over here Um, with Nomad, yeah. uh, But... To to me, like, again, that's one of those things that intellectually, you know, the beer can be brewed anywhere and it's going to be freshest, you know, brewed close to market, but there is still that emotional attachment to a brand that has nothing to do with the liquid, but has everything to do with your feeling about a beer. And, you know, when you've got a Liberty beer or a, you know, a stone beer or a brew dog beer that is brewed under license in the market, some of that magic dissipates you know a, a little bit yes it's fresh yes it's uh, you know high quality does does it have the same magic when you know that it's not brought in from new zealand um you know and and if if you are going to start brewing the beer in australia why would you choose it over a local um brand that sort of is potentially more reflective of of the local culture rather than just a, a another beer that's being brewed under license you know how, how does that make liberty then different to peroni or different to you know heineken apart from yeah. taste obviously
0: uh, interesting and it leads us nicely into in a in a roundabout sort of way to our last quick headline We'll try to get through this one quickly, but it, but, but it, it is interesting because it, that whole emotional attachment, and also it's going to lead us nicely into a deep dive um, current affairs discussion for today, which is um, Deschutes has sort of pulled the pin on plans to build their Virginia brewery, at least for the for the time being. So this is another you know well established um, you know in that. I guess, stable of, of brands like your Dogfish Head, like your Stone, like your Laganitas, um, you, you know, uh, Russian River, New Belgium, indicating that, yeah, this this slowdown, I guess, in the growth of, of craft beer has meant that uh, a few breweries have had to sort of either scale back or, you know, take in other people's laundry or, in the case of Deschutes, um, pull a pin on, on, on their plans to, to build, to open their uh, – to, to break ground
1: on a Virginia brewery. Read that this week, uh, uh, listeners, because it is a it's an interesting story. I think, um, yeah, we have seen breweries. You know, when craft beer growth was fourteen, fifteen percent, um, developing plans and building breweries. Um, you know, we're talking about the US here. Um, you know, second breweries on the other side of the country, and a whole lot of uh, those elements. Suddenly, the big breweries are the ones that are really struggling in terms of uh, losing scale, and we're seeing. Uh, some breweries uh, taking contract brewing or, you know, in, in the case of Deschutes, um, cancelling their plans. Craft Brewers Conference in the US is going on at the moment. I've seen overnight some very interesting um, stories I haven't been able to digest. So we'll just put a pin in that one, Prof, and maybe come back to, to that one for a fuller discussion next week.
0: Yeah. Uh, very briefly, then, to finish off the headlines, we got a message from Daniel Reid Apropos or something completely different, uh, but which reminded us that he'd actually sent us something a little earlier in the year. That we'd missed. That we missed. So we thought we'd better do the right thing and come back to that, which is a nice little pie chart.
1: Yeah. Well, Daniel um, analysed Tassie Brewers, um, the the stuff that was going on as a result of Gab's, and he put together... The the Gab's Hottest
0: 100. We were talking about how, for the last three or four years, no Tasmanian breweries have managed to get a spot in the Gab's Hottest 100 countdown.
1: Yeah, despite and yet they've got five breweries per 100,000 population. Um, Now, when you read this article, we would encourage you to go and read it um, because it was a really interesting uh, blog analysis by Daniel. Um, He did use the craft beer reviewer figures. It seemed to have become um, an industry standard um, for some reason. Um, The the figures are a little bit inflated. Um, There's a whole lot of... Um, you know businesses that have, you know, maybe two production facilities, or you know, there's a couple of collaboration brands or vanity brands, um, that or a one-off are, brew that, one that's off counted,
0: brew. yeah, counted into the number. So that we we kind of accept. I think the figure at the moment is about five
1: hundred and five hundred thirty. That's around the, the the numbers that I'm having. So
0: um, so yeah. six six hundred and forty. I think John's got his uh, crappy reviewer. Uh, which, as you say, it does include some other th- – and, you know, like a second brand from – so presumably Counterculture would count as a uh, as a separate, even well, though it's
1: part of – I Well, I haven't actually uh, looked at it, but, you know, Counterculture is a separate brand for stone and wood, but then Forest for the Trees is a completely different business. Um, and so, yeah, had, one of the things that we've always looked at in terms of what we consider as a brewery is something that adds to the capacity of the industry. And so it tends to be stainless steel or it tends to be a, you know, it, it, it's not a vanity brand or it's Brings not a... Bricks and order. Yeah, um, or, yep. or, or something that has been around, you know, or has, you know... A- anyone can go to their local uh, craft brewery, you know, sort of get a thousand cartons, slap their brand on it, put a couple of decals around and call themselves a brewery. But, you know, stick a feather in your cap and call yourself macaroni for all I care for some of them.
0: That's right. And uh, look, many of those people possibly uh, got on the phone and dialled 1-300-852-235 <laughs> to discover a more efficient way to get their small batch canning labels done through our very good friends, Rallings Labels and Stickers.
1: Absolutely, Prof. And uh, it's always nice to talk to the guys from Rallings because they are getting out there and they are helping more and more breweries to you know get their small batch cans and their larger batch because they're not just, you have the flexibility or they have the flexibility to get your smaller batch as well, but they can do all of your cans. And it's also nice how often they walk into a brewery and hear, oh, you're the guys that are on Radio Brews News. So it's not really a cold call.
0: There you go. We have some use after all.
1: We do. Now, Prof, uh, just sort of, Joe, please cue the um, breaking news story. Because, Prof, just as we've been sitting here, a very important um, bit of news has just broken. Um, we interrupt
0: this episode of Good Brews Week to bring you the following news flash
1: 8,000 free slabs of beer to help grassroots footy clubs. Frothy will donate up to 8,000 slabs to local footy clubs across Victoria next week in the Frothy for Footy giveaway. <laughs>
0: uh, didn't Murphy do a similar sort of thing, didn't they? I'm
1: sure they did. 100% Famous local. Sleep. Well, actually, this is one time that 100% local hops and barley, actually, so that they can say that without sort of uh, me going, lie, lie, pants on fire. Although they're going to draw the ire of Folk at FAIR, um, the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, okay because they released some statistics this week at looking at the amount of sponsorship coming from so this is almost a thumb and nose anyway um just so i'd put that in because you know we haven't heard too much from frothy and haven't seen too much about it either except in the discount bin at uh, dan murphy's
0: well i didn't i paid full full whack retail uh for my six pack because i thought i'm not going to shit can of beer that i haven't tried um
1: Great, you've great tried
0: it <laughs> uh, Look, it was well made it did what it said on the tin uh, it was good value for money uh it was very very drinkable um i look if you side by side with the furphy i don't know that i would have tasted a lot of difference but it's been a while since i've had a furphy um so yeah, for what
1: that's worth nothing wrong with the beer No, well, you'd be very surprised if there was, and uh, as I said, it's quite often when you have a bit of fun at a brand like Frothy's Expense, it's because of the brand, not because of the liquid. No, that's right.
0: Now, let's get into current affairs. What happens, Matt, when beer drinkers don't respect the past? Okay, let's just excuse us for a second. Talk amongst yourselves, listeners. Matt and I just need to go up into the uh, the, the stalls in the theatre <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pop our Statler and Waldorf uh, wigs and moustaches on. Uh, the millennials are rolling their now, eyes. Now, back in my back in my day, now well, look, this was to, a really to be fair. This isn't this isn't story.
1: this is just a story that somebody else has written. Um, and it's Octo October magazine. Um, falling for beer. Now, is October? I'm just sort of wondering: Is this a magazine that uh, AB InBev um, sponsored? Um, October, falling,
0: falling for beer. Yeah, don't know. But anyway, uh, Aaron, Aaron Goldfarb, Goldfarb. I hope I haven't mispronounced that too much. Um, but yeah, just a, it, just an interesting article. Uh, kicks off with the week before the Super Bowl. Samuel Adams released a special one-off beer called Too Old, Too Slow, Still Here. Hang on, isn't that what? stone said about no no that was too bold Too yeah <laughs> anyway uh, to boston area sports fans the name was a nod to the new england patriots 41 year old star quarterback tom brady to craft beer fans however it seemed the venerable 35 year old brewery was inadvertently as the kids
1: say owning themselves because this is one of those perspective pieces and i've just been just while you're reading that out i just did have a quick quiz. And yes, October um, is a project supported by ZX Ventures, AB InBev's new venture capital team, and led by Pitchfork's Slow Focus Studio, which is Condonast Publishing House. Good beer hunting and beer graphs. We're bringing together a group of people with expertise in publishing culture and, of course, beer. Our goal is to tell stories at the intersections where beer becomes part of a bigger picture. Sounds a little bit like what we're trying to do, though, without the... um, Uh, Financial backing that I'm sure that they'll be getting. Well, we sell advertising, so that's financial backing. And uh, we we do have ads uh, running occasionally, including at the moment from uh, AB InBev through CUB, um, which our listeners are probably noticed. But uh, at the same time, I don't think anyone's going to say that we're in their back pocket. Um, No. But but this
0: this is something that we have spoken about quite a bit with, and it is the advantage that we have of uh age so we've been around long enough to remember when there the, there really wasn't a lot of choice in beer to then discover these you know new innovative disruptors like mountain goat like uh, sierra uh, sierra nevada like uh little creatures uh, gauge roads even who Absolutely. i guess now um and, and there was yeah an interesting line in the story that you know a lot of the these drinkers i was gonna say punters matt a lot of, the, a lot of these drinkers are actually younger than the breweries that they're, you know, kind of hanging shit on for being old and out of date and irrelevant.
1: Yeah, look, and I just sort of talked about the, where, where who owns a magazine, because, you know, whenever you read a perspectives piece, it's always understanding where that perspective is coming from, um, whether it's a brewers association or, you know, whoever, but yeah, Prof, the thing I found very interesting was it was a... Um, like a, almost an extension of the you know, flagship February and things like that, you know, respecting the past. And we do see a lot of people um, who are relatively new to craft beer, um, whose you know, tastes you know, maybe have been honed around uh, mainstream traditional lagers and have discovered craft beer, or um, for a lot of younger drinkers, you know, they've launched their drinking career on uh, some of the newer um, craft beers that are much more flavour-driven. And they hear about things like um, Hetty Topper, um, which is the progenitor of the New England um, IPA um, style, or um, Pliny um, and some of the the, the great beers, and even uh, Sierra Nevada or Bridgeport. Um, And then when they they, they try them, having heard so much um, about them, there's a bit of a meh about it because the industry has moved on. And, you, you know... The only thing that leapt out at me about this article was not, you know, go back and revere these beers, don't sort of drink them because they were awesome beers, but when you come to consider them, you can't remove them from the time and place that they were, um, you know, first created, um, and because a lot of their relevance comes from that time. Um, you know, you, you could argue that Cooper's um, sparkling ale isn't as relevant now as it was 20 years ago um, because the, the, the beer world has moved on. And even then, 20 years ago, it was a 130-year-old brand. But when it was the last cloudy, um, bottle-conditioned uh, you know, Australian ale, that was what had people you know, revering it back then. These days, it's just one of many. Um, So yeah, so I I just thought that was a really good piece that talked about um, some of those things. It does you know, we we don't want to put those beers on a pedestal, but just consider when you dismiss a beer, why it was, you know, what you're tasting now, you're tasting it in a context that wasn't when that beer was first created Um, and learn a little bit about the history of the industry before
0: you dismiss it. Coincidentally, uh, Martin Cornell's piece uh, dropped in their inboxes, which I guess kind of is part and parcel of of what we've just been talking about there in terms of, you know, what happens when beer drinkers don't respect the past. Uh, We come to when did bitter become the beer style that dare not speak its name?
1: Yeah, um, and, and Martin, you know, is one of those guys that we always stop and listen when he has uh, something to say, um, because he is just so authoritative. Um, and I don't publish any article about beer history, um, you know, talking about things like IPAs and porters without going and checking his site, because I don't want him pointing his finger it's, at me.
0: That's right, and it's always it's always beautifully researched, uh, but but also very very well written, um, and uh, and always has, I guess, a, a really interesting point.
1: And, and, and in this case, it was interesting, you know, some of the beers that were once called English bitters, um, you know, and now starting to call themselves, uh, you know, um, Amber Ale. Um, or Golden Ale. Or, or Golden or, Ale.
0: Yeah, or British Ale or something.
1: Yeah, and that's it, it, fascinating, because when you, particularly when you look at something like Fuller's London Pride, which again, was one of those beers at Prof 15, 20 years ago, um it was a revelation having that sort of rich malt character and you know marmalade hop bitter you know that marmalady hop character um yeah florally
0: herbal rather than uh you know the classic today you know the the piney citrusy bright floral
1: yep and and you know it, it was once called a best bitter um because there was you know ordinary bitter best bitter you know, all of those things but they were always marketing terms because I don't think there is a best bidder category um, in, you know, beer awards, PJ No, 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 um, no, there certainly isn't golden ale. It was, I There's think in, English,
0: English summer ale. English pale ale is, I an think... English pale ale and English in India
1: pale ale. Yeah, and Martin was writing um, about how they've started calling it, you know, like London Pride is no longer called a best bidder, it's called an original ale, um, and a whole lot of other beers as now saying call themselves an amber ale and you know th- that's one of those things that just highlights um beers trying to stay relevant um by changing their name and their marketing and, and their point of difference but also consumers change and if you put bitter into a um beer style um, mm. or into a beer name there's a whole lot of people who think i don't like the bitterness of beer because of the naked bitterness of a lot of uh, mainstream lagers, and so they're going to shy away from trying that beer because I I don't like bitterness. I'm not going to like that beer. Um, so whilst it's an interesting point that Martin has picked up on, I don't think his criticism, um, you know, sh- shows how you know marketing and you know different. You know, a name can really, really affect the uh, the the success or otherwise of a beer. Fair to
0: say, we're seeing quite a few beers marketed as IPAs, and a lot of them, I would suggest, uh, are <laughs> hoppy pale ales.
1: <laughs> Great, yeah.
0: Um, you know, three point eight percent. I probably not IPA.
1: That, that, yeah, and that's also the the rever- almost the reverse it's a, of yeah, you know, where but is it's, a, changing it's exactly their name.
0: the same thing. Exactly, it's exactly exactly the same principle But okay, I want to sell beer. So I don't necessarily want to divide my customers by saying it's it's suggestive of this or that. i want a, a name that's Kids are drinking all IPAs. Embracing if I can chill more IPA. into
1: this, you know, and, you know yeah. there's a whole lot of beer. You know, an IPA, um, once upon a time when you said that something was an IPA, it was um, stronger than a pale ale, probably hoppier. Oh, like 6.8 to start with. Yep, and, and more bitter than a, a, you know, a pale ale. Um, and suddenly you've got something like a brute IPA that has all of the aroma um, of an of an IPA but then zero bitterness and you're going well how is that an how is that an IPA the IPA is just a framing point for people to sort of get some idea of that it's about hops but you know as I like to say prof you know you can tinker with a you know beef bourguignon uh, recipe um, but just because it's got beef in it doesn't make it Beef Bourguignon, you know, it, it's got to have what it's got to have mushrooms. It's got to have. Are you thinking stroganoff? Oh, stroganoff. Sorry, uh, sc- yes, yeah, sorry, uh, beef strog. <laughs> um, it's got to have mushrooms. It's got to have cream. You know, if, if you start taking one of those things out, at what point is it just a beef dish? Um, and we've got to come up with a new name for it. Um, and you know, that's where where the IPA. You know, you sort of there's a whole lot of neep, you know, neepers and you know things that really don't have the flavour profile of of an IPA, but they've got IPA in their name just because that's trying to make it uh, a marketing point because IPAs are selling. Um, We're seeing the opposite here. People aren't drinking bitter beers, which incidentally is a big part of the reason that um, NIPAs are so popular. Um, So yeah, I, I don't see a problem with changing the name if you're still respecting the beer. Well, there we go. There's
0: our deep dive into a couple of uh, current affairs issues, both of which were reasonably heavily related. Uh, Let's get into now. um, Before we jump into the mailbag, we do have a private Facebook
1: group. We do. It's uh, Radio Brews News. Now it is. It was set up over the weekend. Um, We'll put a link in the show notes and you should be able to see the show notes for it or click through from the show notes on your favorite podcasting app, depending on which one you're listening to. When you do go there, it will ask you for a code word, and that code word is soapbox.
0: Was it was uh, flogging a dead horse already taken, or well, soapbox is just easier?
1: Soapbox is easier, but it's also a bit of a it's it a bit of a soapbox for us all to communicate and chat um, and, and and share our thoughts and uh, you know keep it nice, everybody. It, uh, no ad hominem attacks because that's one of the things that we uh, um, like. Um, you know, it's it's the, yeah. the discussion. we don't want any ad hominem phobic. You know, comments. Is it? What does that mean? At home, against the person. Oh, that's right. That's right. It, 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 it's it's where opinions can meet, and you know, the, the, the opinions can have a knife fight, but as as people, we will uh, keep it civil. That's it. It'll
0: be fun. It will be. Let's fun. Let's get into it. Uh, but let's start with uh, the mailbag. Another
1: one from uh, Frozen Summers.
0: Yeah, don't forget to review us on iTunes or send us in an email and you can be in the draw for a letter of the week. And as well, all our, thanks to Beer Cartel, one lucky writer will get a six-pack of Australian craft beer, but everyone will get a, a Brews News barblade, including uh, Frozen Summers, who oh, I don't think we've yet, as I say, I don't think we've said one. Uh, at Good Beer Matt. Been listening to the latest episode on the way home from six days straight selling beer till late. And I can tell you sometimes even the samples from reps to entice us to stock their beers are very close to or beyond their best before date. So that was our discussion, yeah, of um, trying to hook people into good beer by giving them beer that's perhaps not at its best.
1: And again, it comes back to, you know, one of the things about craft beer, it's always marketed itself as being a little bit different, um, you know, and it's 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 better, it's fresher, it's purer, all of these things that are meant to elevate it and justify the the additional cost. Um, a lot of that comes crashing down when there is an incons- inconsistency, um, you know, a logical inconsistency between the way you're acting and. Uh, what, what, what you're doing so uh, thanks to Dan and we will get Dan's uh, email address so we can or, or postal address so we can send it and Prof just on that um, I got an email during the week where we had forgotten we sent a bar blade out because we do have the awesome Sam um, helping out on those sorts of things um, but I hadn't actually flicked him the contact details to get the six pack so um, Ed I know you're listening oh. um, oops oh, yeah. that, that, that was so yeah. if after a week that was a wedding present too wasn't it was, was it? It could have been. He was feeding the chooks. Um, uh, did you? Hey, no, more importantly, did you hear from Katie Pies? Uh, well, yes. Well, I, I believe it was. Actually, that's not in the show notes. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think that was Wade. I need, I need closure on this anecdote. Well, which anecdote? We've gone on to a whole different anecdote. Yeah, no, yes. I need to know who Katie Pies is before the next episode. No, no, I, I can tell you who Katie Pies was. Um, it, <laughs> it was Wade from Ballistic uh, Beer. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, Wade Curtis. Uh, so, you know, Wade uh, sent me a note. Um, this was me. No, no idea why I got that username. So, there you go, Prof. You can't assume. Uh, no, there so you go. So, it was just some random. Um, so not Maori, not Greek. Not Maori, no, not, Greek, <laughs> not Not, not a, female. Not even not, not even Katie. Not um, even Katie it was Wade Curtis. So, thank <laughs> you, go. Wade. Oh. Thank you for your review. Sweet. and uh, next one is from Harrison
0: Long, who I don't think has uh, written in before. G'day, Matt, Pete, and any potential special guests. Um, he starts off by saying he's a regular podcast listener and just want to say thanks to you and the team for producing such great content. It's a great way to keep up to date with the beer climate in Australia and around the world. Thanks for that, Harrison. Now, my university has recently started a brew lab team. Uh, brackets. We're not allowed to call it a club. But we don't need to get into that. But Harrison, you know, so
1: just before you move on, Prof, and we're just selecting a little bit. As I said, it's a longer letter. Um, yeah. But I just did want to say, Harrison, if there is a reason behind that, I'd love to hear it. If it's because unis aren't allowed to have homebrew clubs, or you know, having a homebrew club um, is seen as no go, um, I'd love to hear the thoughts behind it, because those are the sorts of things that um, you know. We do need to be careful about you know our behaviour around beer and about the way that we present beer because you do start getting the situation where because beer is so on the nose that you can't have something you know a bunch of science students learning and advancing fermentation process and calling it a club, which to me sounds a little bit ridiculous if I'm reading uh, what Harrison said correctly.
0: Yeah, so hopefully you can uh, clarify that for us. He continues, as university students, there's obviously an expectation of learning and research to be conducted within the team. I was wondering, however, if between you there are some fundamental quality control tests we should be conducting on each of our brews and any areas that may need further research. We've been told to think big in this regard, so the sky is the limit if you have any crazy ideas you've always wondered about. I've become very excited by the prospect of combining my science degree and my love of beer, so I'm looking forward to any thoughts you may have. On a side note, uh, actually, so just on that, I might just uh, throw a shout-out to John Selton from uh, Brick Lane Brewing. Yes. Because John, I know, is involved in a uh, testing, uh, like a lab kind of thing, which is a uh, – I can't remember the name of it, but like you know, like a, an yeah. inter interbrewery. Brewers uh, share their
1: beers – that goes through a taste panel to to check for faults and then there's a, a bit more of a science
0: there's also lab testing but then all the results are then also all the samples are also independently tested so mm-hmm. that you can tell how well your lab is actually so you know you might you might be your lab testing might be missing something that's in your beer that you you know that you don't want in it so getting it tested by somebody else's lab says ah oh, did you realize you, you know you're not picking up this particular thing and um, and, and we are. So, which is a really cool thing. So that might be absolutely, absolutely perfect for for Harrison. Uh, And he finishes, on a side note, your point about the gradual positions through CUB rang particularly true for me in the most recent episode. Uh, As the movement for local independent beer grows, I found it difficult to convince myself to apply for any of those positions because my morals seem to suggest the big guys are hurting the industry, even though a successful application could benefit my future. Not really a question, but just food for thought, I suppose. Indeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and
1: it's it's absolutely one of those things. You know, like I think... um You know, as we've said, ad infinitum or ad nauseam, um, whichever ad you want to throw in there. A lot. (laughs) Yeah, We, um, you know, Prof, you and I tend to buy local. We tend to buy fresh. We we tend to sort of, you know, see every... In in, in this day that an election has been called, we tend to see every beer that we buy as a a vote about the future of the industry um, and, and all of those sorts of things. But at the same time, you can't deny the... that for a lot of people the only craft beers that they're going to have for the foreseeable future come from big breweries big breweries make um you know very good high quality beer Um, and it's you know it it is that tension between big and small that will um that is the battle place for consumers hearts and minds Um, and yeah i i I mean i think it's wrong to see the big brewers as evil Um, some of their actions are self-interested um, from a business point of view, not for a beer category point of view, and certainly not for the interests of the small breweries. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of things that they do that you know deliberately go out to help small breweries. So it's a. It, 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 I just thought that that was a really interesting point that he raised. You know, it was yeah. it was one of those fault lines that yeah you know, makes for great discussion. It's a double edged sword. Um, nice we've got
0: one. another another letter from Josh Phillips, who says hi all, including Megan
1: and Zoe. So there you go. Do you want to read this one out, Matt? Uh, sure. It was a strange experience having my letter read out, and it made me feel like I was at the booth with you, and you were speaking directly back to me. Well, we were, <laughs> we were in a way. Um, in thanks, a way. thanks for taking the time to digest my thoughts. Just looking to add some further comments for reference. Now we were talking about lagers um, when uh, Josh uh, um, emailed. Um, Reiterating, I feel that base lagers are a harder style to have more room for the brewer's interpretation. I'm a beer drinker because I was finding it too hard to keep up with being a wine drinker. There you go. Um, it, I, I wonder whether he's talking about the tyranny of choice, having too many choices and too many different styles um, to, to try and assimilate into your drinking portfolio. Um, he goes on to say, Lagers as a style do remind me a bit of wine, where you have the same variety but made by a different winemaker. And there is such a small, subtle, and sometimes a noticeable difference in flavour between each winemaker, particularly once a mouthful of food is taken and you have had a couple of glasses. I need the differences to be obvious. If they are too subtle and nuanced differences at double the price, you will not get my business. And that is a great point. You know, you need to have a reason to justify the consumer um, spending more. Um, and that is where the, the big brewers are, you know, great contests if everybody's making a pale ale and the big brewers are bringing theirs out $15 a carton or $20 a carton cheaper um, your brand is what will get people spending a little bit more is what I think um, your your brand or the the point of difference is is what I see Josh saying there Prof yep yeah, for sure Um, just skipping a little bit um, however in the end as a consumer the enjoyment has to be there in the glass or I'm paying for the inefficiencies whether from style or brewery model of one for no reason. Keeping in mind, we're talking about doubling the price. Um, I really... (laughs) He then goes on to say, I really hope I did not offend on any level with the use of the word waffle. Waffle is an endearing term. Um, I think he said uh, uh, he enjoys Matt's waffling. And I certainly did not take any offence. And I hear it a lot. And it is certainly something that keeps us um, looking at the clock while we're uh, talking. We want the discussion to be free-flowing and hopefully interesting. um, But not boring. So thank you for, I certainly didn't take offense. In regards to your uh, regular show questions, I listen to your podcast either on my half hour commute each day, or as I have my morning coffee. However, I listen to this podcast episode with headphones on at 4am with a sick one and a half year old asleep on my chest in the lounge room uh, when it, whenever is suitable to sneak it in. Um, that I actually got quite a, 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 a nice feeling from hearing that prof because it took me straight back to Uh, When my own late teenage children were were young, and you're lying awake, you know, watching trashy television um, because it was the only thing that was on. Um, I didn't have podcasts, and it's nice to know that we're keeping our listeners company, you know, through those sorts of important lifestyle moments.
0: Just fill in a void, Matt. Fill in a void.
1: Well, mate, i I, (laughs) keeping them company during their important lifestyle moments. I'll stick to that. Uh, Now, Prof, (laughs) the the next one is one of yours, so you can finish uh, finish off the letter. Uh, the best toilet door sign I've seen
0: was at a restaurant in Bali that had a one toilet room with multiple cubicles, all with floor-to-ceiling walls and doors, that just had, does it really matter on each door? <laughs> As a burly bloke with a big meal and plenty of beers in him, yes, it does matter. Also, uh, noting uh, after being over there that the bintang effect is so real.
1: And yes, Thanks very much, Josh. Bintang true. with a yeah. uh, registered trademark, uh, Bintang effect with a regular uh, registered trademark just for those people who want to ask whether it was mine or not. That's it.
0: Now, just looking at uh, the clock, I can't we, what time we started, but we're certainly well over where we try to be, Matt. How no, no, close no, are no,
1: we? No, we? we're still under an hour. We, oh, we, okay. Yeah, yeah right. we, we're doing okay.
0: All right. Uh, well, the next one is from Byron Lotz. G'day, beer community. Referring to beer as a conversation, Jonathan Hepner, I th- uh, Jonathan Heppner, I think that craft beer has been a victim of its own success. It has bred a society that craves the new, the different, and sometimes the extravagant. It is still a smaller percentage of the craft beer population that actively pursue different beers, but I think thanks to the success of beer rating apps and just a general need for variety, it's become more important to try something new and different
1: rather than the local staples. Uh, and, beer- and my addition here, Prof, uh, and Instagram, because we want to show everybody that we're drinking something that they haven't tried for a bit of one-upmanship, which is That's perfectly it. understandable
0: human yeah. nature. Yeah, exactly. Craft beer bottle shops will always rank tops as you can't beat the service. Um, brackets, Bucket Boys is proof of this. And physically looking at the product. But sometimes beer hunters may need more trophies. And so to quote Jurassic Park, again, life finds a way. Industrious people go chasing beers where they can. It's the nature of the beast. Jumping on it and buying some beers is easily done before finishing my Imperial Porter. Hey, I like the way it sounds. Um there is no do you feel guilty about not supporting your local community with this purchase option when you place your order. Yeah, good point. Uh, I can't solve the problem for local bottle shops. I wanted to ask a couple of questions. Can these beers be bought in a local bottle store at a competitive rate? Apologies if this done already. But what about trying to organise buying from a particular brewery and mentioning you are doing so? That so that you can place group pre-orders. Um, would this oh, okay, help? Yeah,
1: or, yeah. So, so he's saying, can a bottle shop buy in you know, from a brewery? From a which brewery. is pretty much what I think Bucket Boys is doing.
0: I think Bucket Boys do,
1: yeah. Yeah, we, we, which is pretty much the the, the the approach that Bucket Boys takes. So, yeah.
0: Would this help or would this then take away the whale from Ahab? Oh, nice little Hemingway reference. Well, don't buy it.
1: No, no uh, that's not Hemingway. Ahab was uh, maybe Dick. Oh,
0: Moby Dick, which was. Um, yeah, whatevs. Uh, no, I, I, know, I, I, don't, I don't respect old authors I only go for in yeah new ones old, <laughs> stuff like that. um i'm looking forward to evaluating the bucket boys crowdfunding option great show as always thanks byron and an international one matt
1: yes uh, david black from Ireland again so just on the jonathan hepner which you know raised a lot of discussion a lot of debate um and they have gone live with their um equity crowdfunding expressions of interest but he says good day Short-term listener, first-time writer. Um, I'm only new to the brewing industry, but a 20-year love of craft beer, 15 years of chef career and home brewing, my experience is short yet intense. Love the podcast. Brilliant that it's on Spotify. I listen to it all I can from home, Bris Vegas, on my way to and from work at a small craft brewery in Kilmallock, Kilmallock, Kilmarnock is in, um, in County Scotland, County so it's
0: Kilmallock, County Limerick.
1: There we go. Yeah, so he's that's where he's working. An hour and a half works for me nicely as it's 45 minutes each way. The craft scene uh, in Ireland is in its infancy still. Um, I'm writing in response to the conversation with Jonathan Heppner. Uh, for the first time, I've had to switch off a podcast. And, sorry, Prof, I, I, I shouldn't be a little bit gleeful, but it wasn't because of me for a change. Um, <laughs> I've had to switch off a podcast because I was so appalled with his attitude. Um, You'll have to forgive me, but he sounded like a jealous brat. I understand what it's like to operate in a luxury end of a market. People are um, people and if they can't get what they want when they want for the price they want, they'll go elsewhere. Having the kind of beer budget Jonathan uh, mentioned would only be in my wildest dreams. Um, And again, uh, just cutting out, it's a very long uh, letter. It sounds like he doesn't have a model of a business plan that is sustainable going forward top end is always going to be fickle with so much diversity and range available most beer nerds are generally one and done anyway. Um, Having lived in a small country town of Kingaroy with the nearest major centre two hours away good quality independent craft beer was a rarity. I enjoyed what I could from the passionate publican uh, occasionally brought in a case of black hops or a keg from ballistic. Going to the breweries has always been the ultimate treat for good beer and I would try to get to as many as I could and sample what I could handle. This is the true essence of craft beer fandom. What better way to sample fresh, tasty beer than at the source? The ultimate expression of fandom would not be collecting beers from either specialty retailers or online, but rather treating it as a special occasion and going to the brewery or festival, getting to know the brewers and the team, sharing some laughs and stories and developing a relational connection. And Prof, you know, again, that's, that, that's how, I, how I feel about it. So uh, and I was interested that I wasn't alone there. No, no, that no, was a, a good point. Very well made. Um, after coming back to the podcast a couple of days later, uh, and then the follow-up uh, um, in the news podcast later in the week, I'm pretty certain that Jonathan obviously has a very high opinion of himself and his business with the valuation of the crowdfund and the perceivable lack of coherent business plan. As you question a crowdfund for a retail business, brackets grimace, too much okay. cash flow tied up in poorly decided uh, shelf uh, life short product. Anyway, cheers for the rant. After years of listening... I, I, to BS, I call it like I see it, I better go and prepare for my own beer festival in Cork over Easter, where I'll be serving my first commercial beer, Borderline Brown Ale, an English beer brewed in Ireland by an Australian. As for my own beer nerdism, I'll uh, be off to Belgium straight after to visit Cantillon, Three Fountains, Head Anchor, and attend the Zythos Beer Festival in Leuven. <sighs> I'm very jealous. I've <laughs> got, I have a real fear of missing out at that one, Prof. Um, but hopefully, I'll save my pennies and go and do that one myself too. The privilege of living in Ireland. Keep up the good work, P- David Black. Um, great, great um, mailbag. As as we've come to expect, Prof.
0: Beautifully done. Um, now, geez, if we give that to David, does beer cartel mm-hmm. they
1: deliver to Ireland? They pull it with. No, David, no, he did. He, he also did give us his. Um, oh no. Yeah, we got a bridge. He said his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law, so we can sort of get. Uh, david to send us his uh brother-in-law's um contact details and uh we will still internationally air freight a bar blade to david um because i would love to see uh, you know maybe a, a bottle of guinness being uh, opened with a uh, Bruce News barblade. blade um, or even better if we can get it to him in time for the uh, belgian beer festival that he's going to something uh, in 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 ireland There we go. Sorry, something something in in Belgium.
0: In Belgium, in Leuven, the home of Stella Artois. And uh, so, yeah, as Matt mentioned, all our letter will receive a Brews News bottle opener. uh, And then thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our letter of the week, uh, David will be receiving a six-pack for his brother-in-law to, quote, get him off the VBs. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with it. Not at all. Matt, it's been an action-packed, considering there wasn't a lot happening for a little while, and then all of a sudden she kind of just went bang, bang, bang. A lot of the stories this week were intermingled or interlinked. So it's always good to sort of see how the, uh, how the beer world, how the news kind of, you know, fits into our daily lives. And um, I hope that our listeners this week, again, have enjoyed our uh, dissection and interpretation of the most important of them.
1: And if you haven't, let us know, because it's, we don't want just, you know, it, it's always reaffirming and uh, reassuring to see that people agree with some of the things, but not everyone does. Don't be the person who mutters under your breath that we're idiots. Let us know, because beer is a conversation, Prof. That's right. Uh, and, and
0: producer and you... au. if you want to send us an email. But as I say, you can now jump onto our brand-new private Facebook group. Uh, search Radio Brews News on Facebook, and remember, the secret code word is soapbox. That's all one word, so S-O-A-P-B-O-X. I wonder
1: if we can get the or new brewery case. in Brisbane called Soapbox um, to sponsor oh, our... <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah,
0: no, that, well, they might... <laughs> Let's say our Facebook group you know, might get a, an immediate cease and desist before it's even sort of got its first member. I'm sure the guys wouldn't mind. I met them up there at the uh, Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show Beer Awards. Uh, we had a bit of a, a familiar. there. We had a, a gathering, and they um, looked after all the judges and all the stewards as well as all the, the back of house team and um, uh, all the organising party, uh, and it was a, a great night. So I'm sure they won't mind. I'm Great sure they won't mind. mind. Well, you, know, maybe you can't you, trademark you were on the soapbox before they called them soapbox.
1: You can't trademark a generic uh, um, term like that. Well, tell that to the Germans and Radler. But that, but they haven't trademarked Radler. Radler no, was trademarked can... by in New Zealand by Heineken. Yeah. So how can you? How can you? Yeah. They trademark. They, you... they trademark saison as well. Bastards. But but they anyway. didn't relinquish that in the face of shaming
0: all right let's not run over time now we've been doing so well uh i have been your host pete mitchum and it, this has been good Brews week and the episode was entitled <laughs> Ich been nine berliner <laughs> and uh, we could probably do that much better in a yeah a, a boston you know jfk accent but anyway thank you very much for joining us matt Kierkegaard. thank you prof always a pleasure and thank you to all our listeners and to all our supporters who make this possible. We'll see you all again next week, oh, which will be live from Adelaide. Well, not live, but yeah, I'm, um, I'll be over in Adelaide, Matt.
1: Mm, I know, I'm looking forward so, to it. Can you go yeah, we'll and t- catch up with Jade from the Weedy?
0: I am. Yep, yep. And before I forget, and we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at BruiseNews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.